Welcome back to the Host by Tori show and happy almost Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Hope you have some fun plans for the three-day weekend ahead. I've been in Boston and New York this week and I'm excited to get home and spend some time on the lake and making pizza at home. Uh, This week's episode, we have Brianda Gonzalez, who is founder and CEO of The New Bar, a bottle shop in Venice and online store. Uh, You guys, I was so impressed with Brianda, how she built her store from the ground up, cultivated a community in L.A., and brought the first non-alcoholic bar to Coachella in less than a year of launching, which is insane. If you love the episode as much as I did, I would be very, very grateful if you left a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. And if you're feeling ever so kind, then a review as well. I know you hear this a million times, but it takes two seconds to do and really helps for me creating better content for the podcast. Okay, let's get into what we talked about. We talked about everything behind what it looks like to open a bottle shop from finding the space to getting the product to establishing a brand how Brianda decides what brand she's selling at the new bar, and her detailed spreadsheet with all of the different criteria that goes into it, the concept of someone's first time trying a non-alcoholic brand and what the first impression can do to their idea of the category, Brianda's experience with having the new bar at Coachella, how she pitched the idea and what her setup was like, and lastly, her goals for growing the new bar and what she's currently most focused on. Seriously, this was one of my favorite ones in a while. So with that, let's get into it. First question is, how the heck you opened up a bottle shop? You're literally living my dream (laughs) right now because I want one so bad. And I was like, I don't know how I would make that work. Um, But like finding the space uh getting the product like thinking about just like the branding of everything and i think that i heard you do it in like a six month time period so um and correct me if i'm wrong but like i just want to hear everything related to the moment you thought of the idea Mm -hmm. for new bar and when it opened like how did that happen yeah i was actually in new york when i started thinking of the idea and i think you've uh probably you know heard in, in different podcasts or read um about how I, how I arrived at the category is basically my dad um, had some health issues and he's a bartender. So I was already thinking about this category a lot because of him and because of the way that we like to um, to bond and um, host and really gather around food and drink. And so the idea kind of started in my head, um, I would say, you know, in 2021, um, like the second half of the year, I kept thinking about it and um, I felt like the, the category was kind of hard to navigate, even as somebody who really was committed to figuring it out. Um, so I had a lot of trial and error experiences where I liked some things, maybe didn't like some other things, wished somebody had given me some context on how to use the products I was testing. Um, but I really decided to go for it, um, and decided I wanted to do this full time, um, towards the end of 2021. And so originally it was just an online concept. Um, and so I started, you know, making cocktails at home, recording TikToks. I, I kind of was of the the mindset of like, just start and see, see what happens yeah. and how it feels. So I did that for a couple of months. And then um, in January, end of January, I started working really 
aggressively on the concept. And so um, I think for me, the idea was just like, you know, how do I make this a little bit easier for people? How do I make it feel a little bit candidly just cooler? Like, why does it feel like, like not that cool totally. of a thing to be into? Um, and I just wanted to make the the category more approachable and attractive to people like me. So people, you know, I'm, I'm 28 now. Um, I, I wanted to make it feel cooler and more accessible to young people who might be interested in drinking less because my friends were talking about this all the time, but then not actually making the behavioral changes that they wanted to make. Everyone talks about it and everyone like wants to yeah. do it. But to your point, it doesn't feel approachable yet. It still feels like sugary mocktails or uh, I don't know how to make like a really good non-alcoholic drink or I don't know where to get the ingredients yeah. because kind of to your point on like making it more accessible or um, easier to navigate. There's so many online, but people also don't know what they taste like. And I know you do tastings, which we can like get into. Yeah. But. Yeah. So it was really that for me. And I think like one thing too, is just like, people don't even know they exist. So like, if you show up, like you could say, I want to drink glass, but you show up to a dinner party and the only thing available with all your girlfriends is alcoholic wine. Right. And so I think a lot of people ultimately just end up drinking that glass of wine because it was presented to them. Mm -hmm. And if they had been given yeah. the choice of doing something else, they would have. Um, so I, I started working on the new bar um, at the beginning of 2022. And then, yeah, by July of 2022, we had our online store open. Um, and I was living in Venice by then in L.A. So um, I guess I skipped through some of the parts, but I started working on it online in um, in New York, working on the branding, uh, kind of networking with a bunch of friends. Um, I talked to a bunch of agencies that wanted to charge a million dollars to build more. for like branding for branding. Yeah. Okay, and, yeah. And you know what? I, I kind of was like, Oh, these aren't, they kind of all ended up like, it didn't feel like the right move for me. And it felt like a lot of the portfolios all looked like each, like every other brand I had seen almost like a blanking. Yeah. Um, and I ended up uh, connecting with one of my great friends in New York, who's a creative director. That's um, that's his full time thing that he does. And uh, we just started reaching out to people in our network that we knew. So I ended up working with one person uh, who's a graphic designer um, on developing the brand. And um, we were working on that when I ultimately moved to L.A. So I left New York for L.A. in March and. I kept thinking about how I could bring a human in real life element to the brand um, and how I could, mm. you know, activate with people in real life beyond just being an online uh, experience. And so when I moved to LA, I started to actually think, okay, this might be something I want to pursue. Um, so I started looking at places, the store that we ended up uh, moving into, I just happened to walk by after a yoga class and it was like this tiny, it's 450 square feet. Um, it was a tiny store, um, here in Venice on Lincoln and it had like shelves on either wall. So I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, this is perfect. Like it's already got the shelves. I'll just put my bottles in here. Um, price was reasonable. It was not a crazy, you know, commitment. And so I felt like with my risk profile, I was like, I could, I could definitely make this work. And so. That's like a big jump. <laughs> like 
I I remember for like two seconds in Austin, like looking at retail yeah. shops, and then I was like, oh my god, there's no way I can pay this. Yeah. I mean, obviously yours was like a smaller shop, and you were going to do this full time, yeah. but like that is just I don't know. It just seems still like so crazy to me in an amazing yeah, it way. It still felt like a big leap of faith. Like it still felt like because I was deep in making the online experience and building that out, and it was really just like me, the graphic designer. Um, and a couple of like contractors that just helped me, you know, put the website together and do things. And yeah. uh, so when I told my friend that I was considering signing this lease, uh, he was like, are you insane? Like, you're going to probably implode if you, <laughs> if you do this. <laughs> uh, but I just had a really good feeling about it. And so um, I signed the lease. We continued building the website. And then I think it was like a seven week turnaround time of building at the store. Turns out once I got the keys, I was like, I want to make this extra special. So we designed everything uh, that's in the store. So all of the furniture we uh, designed and had made. Uh, with- Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean you like designed the furniture? So like the shelves um, were not something that okay. we just bought. I had this idea of, you know, as the brand was being built in a digital world, I really wanted that to translate to the store and I very much wanted them to feel like a connection of one another rather than like two separate mm-hmm. things. And so um, I wanted the store to be this big, crazy red color. So I wanted to paint the outside of the store bright red. Um, I wanted the shelves to be the secondary colors in our brand color palette. So I literally had an iPad. I think I, I took a photo of the store and then I had a, my iPad with those you know, you can like draw with that pen. And so I yep, got yep. every single color from our, our uh, brand identity and started like drawing what my dream shelves would look like and what each color should be. And um, had this idea for a red wavy bar that we could use to run tastings on. And so I just found friends in our network that were talented in, in a number of ways. We found some friends that are really, really great with woodworking, um, some friends that make um sets and stages for music festivals and artists they were able to do some welding and make my red wavy bar and it was a pretty special way to have it all kind of come to live in such a scrappy and community driven way um and in the end i think it was definitely the right call even though it was scary (laughs) so i i love the idea of you thinking so much about the brand Mm -hmm. and like the how you wanted it to come across and I feel like you see a you see there's two things like one a lot of people don't have really strong brand presences Mm -hmm. like number one so it's really important for that and number two is that a lot of them can feel really similar I think to your point on this like agency feel when you're working with one of them um and when I launched host by Tori even though it's this like very subscale thing I really wanted to create a brand versus creating this like social presence and so I have like my colors I have my fonts and everything that I like put together I want to match that and so I'd love to hear from you on when you had this idea for the new bar like that bright red Mm -hmm. like where did that come from what did like what did you talk to your graphic designer about that you wanted to like really come through because it's always interesting to me and like how that's articulated for someone to help you have that vision come to life yeah I think I developed 
first I didn't really have the language to communicate what I wanted. Yeah, it's so it's really hard. hard. You have one thing in your head, right? And you can totally picture it, but there's so much terminology <laughs> from, um, that you need to use to communicate that effectively to designers. And I think that's where I was so lucky and grateful to have my friend Chase, who's the creative director, um, help me communicate those things. So it was a lot of workshopping, but the things that I kept coming back to ultimately were like, I want this brand to feel fun and like truly fun, not just like, you know, oh, you know, not drinking could be fun. I actually want it to be visually stimulating for people. I want to have elements of the brand that you kind of look at and then you're like, wait, I need to take a second look at that. You know, like even the way the logo is like a little bit lifted and there's a 90 degree angle and we do all these interesting visual things that are designed to make you kind of look twice and think again. Um, And that was very much part of an extension of the brand ethos of getting people's attention, making it an inviting environment to kind of question and take a second look at things. Um, And so that's very much the spirit that I wanted the brand to to portray. Um, And I think that we did a pretty good job of making that come to life visually, um, as well as like in the way that we speak, right? Like there's words we don't use. There's words we do use. Um, We try not to use. Can you talk, can you talk about that? Like what, and, and maybe I'm like jumping the gun here, but is it like words that are like sans or zero, zero proof or like mocked, like what, is that what you're talking about in terms of like the terminology of how you talk about drinks? Yeah. It's a little bit of like, it's all the things like, um, you know, if your goal is to make this approachable, inviting, engaging, and accessible, right? You want this to feel like something that everybody could see themselves in and could understand. Yeah. There's no need to use a different language to use a word, right? Like you don't need to make it Italian or French or something for flair from my perspective, right? You just want to make it like as simple as possible. We don't use the word exclusive because I just don't believe in that. I don't think that you need to make Mm. this like a premium thing. I think you need to make it fun and exciting and something people can see themselves in. So we don't use those words um, as a brand. Um, We don't. That's really interesting. Yeah. We try not to like overcomplicate concepts. Like if there's a more basic word you can use to say something, just say it that way. Like, very much a pillar of our brand is that you should be able to think of us as your friend who has it together and is like one step ahead maybe, but they don't make that obvious to you. They just kind of like guide you along the way. Right. Like Yeah. Like when someone's talking in these words that are like so obscure and you're not in your head, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Or you're like, Oh, you know, um, this is my friend who runs a marathon before 5am and they like, only protein like that's those people are awesome and they exist but they also exist there's also people who exist in that way and accomplish a lot while making their friends not feel bad about the fact that they're not there yet right like you make it accessible to bring people with you um and so we really thought a lot about that as we were developing the brand ethos and how we talk and how we show up visually um and that was really, really important to me because I, I do fundamentally believe that's how you bring more people into the conversation and um, pique their interest. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, and and I 
I feel that way too, where I don't want to shame anyone. Mm -hmm. People can do whatever they want. I just want to show them that there's a way to, to do this. If you, if you want to not drink as much here, like I can help you, I'll do it with you. I'll show you how to make a really fun, non-alcoholic cocktail. But if you don't want that, like that's totally cool too. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And I, I think, you know, um, part of that is keeping the, a little, a little bit of the kookiness to the brand too. And, um, still doing silly things that are maybe a little cheeky or uh, rambunctious. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's, that's very much something that we felt strongly about. So in terms of like the actual store too, you talk about being very selective in the brands that you're bringing Mm -hmm. on and what's being actually like sold in the store. And I have seen over the past year, so many mm-hmm. different non-alcoholic brands or variations of brands. And so I would love to hear from you how you decide to choose these. And I think like what I heard from you one time, and I very much believe this is like the first impression of someone having a non-alcoholic drink yeah. is going to be a pretty big deal because that's going to decipher for them either one, yep, no, not for me, too sugary, not my vibe. Uh, too expensive for what it is and like not worth yeah. it or oh my gosh this is delicious this like makes me feel like included and uh, I love the taste of it and there's so many different options yeah. uh, and that I want to know more and I think there's like definitely two camps but it's all predicated on that first impression so talk to me more about your your feelings on that um, and also the just like choosing process for, for what's in the new one. Yeah. I, I definitely do think that, um, as you said, somebody's first experience with the category is going to either convince them that this is something that's viable for them or completely turn them off, um, the option entirely. So we try, um, while knowing that taste is subjective and there's something for everybody, uh, we do try to keep some criteria that, you know, helps us make sure that we're narrowing down and, and kind of increasing the odds that somebody's going to have a great first experience. Um, yeah. I'm a very visual person. I think uh, when you take away the function of alcohol in a beverage, it starts to become about everything else, right? Because we're so trained to think that like ethanol is the value of a drink. And so mm-hmm. um, in order to make a non-alcoholic option, exciting to somebody, I think, again, first impressions matter, right? So I do think about how does this brand show up? Does it look like a beautiful thing that you want to reach for and that you're more likely to reach for than the alcoholic option if they were put side by side on a bar cart? Um, So we definitely think about how does this brand show up? What is the messaging that they're using? How does the packaging look and feel in your hands? When How does it look on our shelves? I literally put things on my shelves and, and think, okay, you know, is this going to have a chance here? Um, beyond that, we taste test every single thing that ends up on our shelves. So I think before I launched the new bar, I must have tried upwards of 500 drinks. Um, over oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I had, you know, my, my little spreadsheet with all the criteria and my ultimate decision Um, and every single drink that we brought on, we would try in different ways. So if it's a spirit, you know, is it something you could drink neat? Is it something that's easy to work with in a cocktail? Does it get lost really easily if you put it in a cocktail, Mm. right? So does the value, like, does it actually do what it's supposed to do? And is, 
is the approachability and the quality there. Um, and that also helps. Can I have your spreadsheet? <laughs> you can take a look at it if you'd like. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just that kidding. also informed how we index information on our website too, because you, if you shop on the newbar.com, you can filter by how you like to use your drinks. If you like to mm, for, that's really yeah, cool. If you're looking for a whiskey and you know you like to drink it neat, there are certain things I would recommend and other things I wouldn't recommend for that context. Um, so we kind of compare how the brand says you can use it and whether that's actually true. Um, and then we also, you know, keep in mind the ingredients and the people be- like behind the product and the brand. Um, most people who arrive at this category are health conscious and don't want to be putting a bunch, of, a bunch of toxins in their body. And so that's definitely something we assess and take a look at. Um, and I personally really like to work with great people. So um, that might be a bit subjective, but um, we really like to work with brands that um, have awesome people behind them. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I feel like people are everything. And now, so at the beginning, were you working the store? Like, how did you think about hours? Did you staff up right away? Because when I had my dream a year ago of making a non-alcoholic yeah. bottle shop, I because I have a job, I was like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I would have to hire someone, but I want to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be the people talking to the customers and and asking them what they're looking for and having all that. But I'm sure you have people in place now, but like training them up to, to give that same experience that you would want people yeah. to have. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah. So when I first started, so we launched the website and the store and opened the store like pretty much at the same time. Um, so it was definitely like super long days. Um, I, it was myself. And then I had one gal I was connected with, uh, her name is Allie. She was my first retail associate hire. Um, but she also has a, she has a different job as well. And so basically I was there all of the time. Um, we started with shorter hours. So we weren't open on Mondays and Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So that gave me the ability to do my admin work, catch up on bookkeeping. Cause I really just did everything do email marketing update the website um package up online orders all of the things um i was i was doing and so a lot of time in the store i would work between you know customer interactions um and uh ali and i pretty much held the fort down for some time and then we started hiring more retail associates as we started to kind of like pick up our speed and find great people um and i remember there was a point at which I was like, this is starting to feel slightly unsustainable because the business is growing so quickly and which is a good thing. thing. Um, But I was like, okay, you know, I I need to maybe sometimes be able to go to my dad's birthday. Um, That's important to me. And um, we held out on hiring more people. I would interview people all the time, but we really held out until we found people that we felt like really, really were awesome and passionate and wanted to absorb all of the information and share it in a way that um, would give people the experience that I really, really hoped they would have when they came in. Um, so now things look a little bit different. Um, we definitely have retail associates. I still love being at the store as much as I possibly can, because um, I agree, it's, it's so important to hear the feedback, to see how things are working. Um, there's a ton of learning and a lot of community building that happens when you are truly there and people see that this is like not a faceless business. It's a, you yeah. know, a person who cares building something special. Yeah. And 
when you launched, did you have a, I know your background is marketing, so I assume so, but I'd be interested to hear your like go to market strategy was it a soft open? Did you have friends and family spread the word? Did you have like a formalized plan? Um, what was the like go to market tactic? Yeah, it was fairly organic and I always wanted it to be that way. Um, I think, you know, the thing that was important to me and the thing that I've experienced as a consumer and a marketer is that um, it's really easy now to see through brands kind of approach. And it's mm-hmm. I think consumers have gotten so smart that we can sniff when somebody's being inauthentic, like so quickly, or at least I can, you know, I'm like, I, I know yeah. when somebody's bought all their followers and I know when, you know, um, when messaging doesn't reflect the reality of a brand and how they operate. Right. Like it's very, it's pretty easy to, to see that now. And I, I think from, from our perspective, authenticity was always super important. And so um, we had a soft opening. We had, you know, a ton of friend support, um, my friends that helped me like grab the tile on our, you know, sales counter were also helping oh me gosh. spread the word. Uh, we did flyers locally, which I know feels kind of old school, but honestly, that's that like quirky aspect exactly. though. That's like really yeah, fun. Like meeting people and be like, hi, I'm doing this crazy thing. Do you want to come support? Like, have you heard of this thing? And um, so we would literally just like ride our bikes. My friend and I would, um, bring non-alcoholic wine and go on evening walks and hand out flyers. And um, we definitely saw the success of that and the meaningful engagement with people garnered more of a loyalty and an engagement in the uh, community than I think like an Instagram ad ever would have. Um, And so it's been pretty organic the whole way through. Like to date, we don't really do ads. It's, It's organic traction on social media. Um, it's, you know, people finding out about us through podcasts and articles. Um, and now of course, like we will grow and and continue to expand, but I think it's always been about community centric growth and authentic growth. Um, that feels a lot more sustainable to me than going out and like presenting this aura of being bigger, um, than the brand is. So it's always going to be about, yeah, yeah, it's always going to be about engaging. I love love that. I need to get to Venice ASAP. I have one friend one friend in Santa Monica, one friend in Venice, one friend on the east side. So I need to come and check out the new bar because it sounds yeah, awesome. Um, okay, Coachella. <laughs> How the heck did you get in Coachella? Did you pitch them? Did they come to you? I know you said you have a big network. Mm-hmm. How did it how did it happen? And give us the down low and like the behind the scenes to the extent you can. Yeah. So I told you about starting to work on this in New York. And so of course it was just like a pitch deck that was really just internal facing because I wanted to bootstrap the business. Um, But it was like my business plan deck that I had. Um, And Coachella was always on that from day one. I just, from my perspective as a brand focused on being inclusive and fun and speaking to younger generations who, you know, could have a really, um, a really positive impact on their lives by being um, familiar with this category. I very much felt that Coachella was the manifestation of all those things. Right. Um, And so I had been saying it over and over again to myself and to, to my fiance and my friends that I wanted to be there in 2023. 
Um, and I basically just kind of approached them and put together a pitch deck um, with, you know, the category, who we were as a brand, how we envisioned ourselves showing up there and why it would make sense. Um, and they were super, super receptive and just like really, really excited. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So we just kind of went, I think it just kind of went for it, to be honest. Um, and so we started conversations with them. I think we had, you know, only been in business for what was it? It was November or, or December. So we'd really were only like four to five months old um, as a company, but um, we just put in the work and really kind of presented the the narrative of why it was important and why it made sense. And luckily it resonated. You make it sound so easy, but I know it is not <laughs> because you put in work of making that deck and I think really knowing who you serve too, like from an audience perspective, like knowing who you are and knowing who you serve and having that specific niche is so important. And you know that as a marketer, but I think like really honing in who you are and not trying to be everything for everyone yeah. too. Like the inclusivity comes through, but it's also um, not like a generic brand, mm -hmm. right? Which means like you can niche down and really like create your, create and like cultivate community in that yeah. way. Um and so what did, like, what did you serve? Did you have cock, like, or non-alcoholic cocktails? Did you serve non-alcoholic beer? Like what, what did you serve we there? Served all the things. So the, the hope was to really bring people the full experience you would get at a nice bar, but non-alcoholic. So okay. it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like we just wanted to have one cocktail or all canned drinks. Like we very much wanted to feel like a full, great menu. Um, so we had, craft cocktails. Um, we had, um, wines, we had beer, we had adaptogenic, uh, ready to drink cans, um, and aperitifs. Like there was really a little bit of everything. Um, so, so that, you know, everyone could find something that they would like. Um, and luckily we had some amazing partners and it was very, very important again, knowing that this was going to be a lot of people's first experience with non-alcoholic to make sure that the menu was top notch and the products that we brought with us were, were really something that we could stand behind. Yeah. And did you do anything extra brandy, like the cups or the yeah. napkins or give them something when they got a drink? Like what? I'm sure you oh did gosh, something. Yes. It was, it's pretty wild because obviously it was a lot of work. Um, and I, I knew it and I felt it because we were, still a very small team and we were all putting in insane hours every day. Um, but I just recently closed out our Asana project management, like, you know, project for, for Coca-Cola. Yeah, yeah. And just to see the sheer amount of moving pieces and design elements and things that we made. Um, oh my gosh. It felt pretty good. Um, yeah, we had branded, uh, we had some custom cups made with like the new bar logo and a fun little print on them um, to make them pretty photographable. Um, we designed the bar. Um, I don't know if you've seen any photos, but we designed the bar to look like our bar inside our store. So we, you know, I worked with a friend who is an architectural designer for like the do lab and he does a lot of like music festival type of things. Um, and so it was a lot of like time with him being like, okay, this is what I wanted to look like these are all the requirements that a bar needs for it to actually function. So how do we make the creative mm. vision and the logistics work? Um, yeah. And then finding people to, 
produce the things and put it together. Um, yeah, so it was it was uh, quite a feat, but we had um, what I think was a pretty stellar presence uh, within the festival. It definitely looked super different than anything there, which was the goal. That's so cool. I love that. So in terms of like where you want to take this, like you're not even a year yeah. in, which is crazy, but like where do you like where do you get the most passion out of it? Is it the community? Is it building more stores and having them on every, you know, in every city so people feel like they can get these drinks very easily? Is it like scaling online? Is it doing more events? And also the events that you've talked about are so cool. And I see them all the time. And I'm like, I want to do cheese and uh, wine yeah. pairings, <laughs> but we don't have that here. It's so fun for non-alcoholic. Um, but tell me a little bit about like just your vision for the brand, because I can tell just by talking to you in like 30 minutes that you have long-term goals, you know what you want, you're going to go after it. And so I'd love to hear more about that vision and even kind of like where, like what are the near-term things too? Yeah. I mean, our mission has always been to show people that it's fun to be good to yourself. And so I think that that can manifest itself in a number of ways. And we very much are working on um, a few things to, to make that real. But um, in terms of where I get most of my passion and like what lights me up, it really is in, human interaction and seeing people's response to learning about the category, to having their first sip, to actually coming back over and over again saying, hey, I've, I've genuinely made changes that I didn't even think I needed or wanted to make, but they've had a really great impact on me. Um, so it's yeah. going to be about reaching more people in meaningful ways and in making sure that an awesome non-alcoholic option is available wherever fun is being had. Um, and so near term, you know, we're working on our expansion. We'll definitely want to bring more drinks to more people. Um, we'll be growing our partnership. We had a, a really, I think, built out a really, really beautiful and authentic uh, partnership with AEG and Golden Voice um, through the Coachella experience. And so, we already have so many ideas for what that can look like in the future and how we can do more and better. Um, so that's definitely something I'm thinking about. And further down the road, there's, um, I think, other opportunities to reach people really meaningfully and to provide them really good options. So I will be heads down on that. That's so cool. I can't wait to visit. I just like, I love everything about it. I love what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Okay, let's do some rapid fire to end, yeah. which will be fun. So if someone had to describe your hosting style in one word, what would it be? One word, hosting style. Do you like have people over a lot and like get people together? Yeah, I absolutely love having we um, my fiance and I are really into hosting. Um, Congrats. Thank you. And we have a um, beautiful backyard that we just we very much want our house to be like the community hub. So our friends yes, always feel that. comfortable, like stopping by unannounced. It's my favorite. Um, I so that. I think my hosting style in one word would be inclusive, like genuinely. Um, I, I think that starts with being really thoughtful around, 
you know, why you're gathering and how you can make sure you're honoring that. I really mm-hmm. think about, you know, what I hope people get out of the experience when they're coming to a dinner party or, or an event that we're putting on for the new bar um, and how we can include people into that kind of um, the spirit of that gathering at every step along the way. So um, yeah, that's, that's I like that doing. inclusive. And it's, it's such an extension of the new bar too. Okay, what is your favorite drink? Non-alcoholic or alcoholic? I want to, like, what do you like? Like, what is your go-to mm-hmm. NA drink? Oh, I love all of it. Um, I My favorite cocktail across the board is Negroni. I, I love Negronis, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Um, it's funny because I'm like, okay, when I do have an alcoholic beverage, it's like the most, one of the most spirited drinks <laughs> available. Yeah, it's like so liquor you know, forward. But I just love like big, bold, crazy flavors. Um, and so for me, how, that's how do you make how do you make the ne- so my husband yeah. loves Negronis, and I haven't been able to get the right recipe for a NA one. So how do you make yours? What I actually am really into doing with um, my NA Negronis is um, I've been making a mezcal Negroni that I'm really into. Um, so I use uh, Monday Mezcal. It just has like mm-hmm. this really nice kick and, and the smokiness adds a little bit of, um, I don't know, a little bit more mystique to the thing. And then I use Wilfred's Bittersweet Aperitif and um, Aperitif or the the Sweet Vermouth from Liars. Uh, yeah, okay. which I think is their Aperitif Rosso. Yeah. 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 So it's just equal parts Amazing. of those things. But I find that the Mezcal really does it. Um and then if I do it with gin, I just like to add um, more bitters, which, mm-hmm. I t- you know, typically you wouldn't necessarily add bitters, but um, I think it gives it a little bit more depth. Yeah, totally. Do you drink that much anymore or are you just whenever you're feeling it kind of lean in? And- it's pretty, I have a, a pretty casual approach to alcohol. Yeah. Um, Franklin's crashing the Oh, your dog is so cute. <laughs> That's Franklin. Um I, so when I decide to drink, it's if, like, if I'm really feeling it, if something like actually really tasty is on the table. Um, but I've found that having awesome options that are equally, if not more exciting to me available at all times, it just like made me drink way, way less than I ever could yeah. have imagined I, I would deliberately choose to drink. Yeah. It's like, if I'm at home, there's no chance I'm even close to craving mm. a non-alcoholic drink because of how many like really great options are there. Yeah. I find it's really more when I'm at a place that doesn't have it and it's like calling me if it's something that I really, really want, mm-hmm. but like like Viv or like like really nice champagne. Like yeah. I love yeah. that if we don't have like a non-alcoholic wine option. Um, but yeah, I hear you. There's so many good options out there that it's like, why wouldn't I just have yeah. this if I can? Yeah. And when I choose um, restaurants too, I'm like, okay, do they have a great non I know. And then I go look at the menu and I'm like, are they using different brands in their non-alcoholic program? Or are they just like using all one brand? I'm like, oh, then it's probably not mm. as special. So I've, I've become um, quite picky about, uh, you know, where I go so that I can optimize my odds of having a, a good time and making a choice that I want to make. Yeah. 
That's so interesting. I usually tell every restaurant, I'm like, hey, you guys mm. should get some non-alcoholic spirits or like you should get non-alcoholic beer. Oh, yeah. And usually usually they're like, yeah, we should. We get asked about it all the time. Yeah. No, I definitely always bring it up if um, if there's no option. Um, my dad, too, he's become quite the non-alc snob. So he came back from Vegas the other day and he was like, you know, I went to Vegas and all they had everywhere was just Heineken Zero. I told them they need to hear about the new bar. And then, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, I look up the new bar. You need non-alcoholic mezcal on this menu. <laughs> That's so funny. Gives them like a discount code to buy yeah. online and yeah. just test it <laughs> out. One That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's awesome um okay what's your favorite type of get together i think you kind of alluded to it but it's just like having people over yeah, hanging out like, dinner party I like casual hangs like we've done really structured dinners and like those are always really really fun too but i love when we you know throw a, a dinner party and we're like it's a sweatpants kind of gathering so we're just gonna you know do taco night everybody come at your yeah. own leisure that's my favorite type i love that and then do you prefer to host or be hosted? Host. Yeah. Yeah. If you seem like the host. <laughs> Amazing. Um, all right, Brianda, tell us where everyone can find you, the new bar, how best they can support all the yeah. things. So you can follow us on Instagram if you're interested in keeping up with our antics. Um, it's at the new bar, but instead of spaces, it's dots. Um, and thenewbar.com, we ship nationwide. Um, I think, you know, in terms of support, just tell your friends about it. If it appeals to you and you're looking for some great drinks, um, you can support us by shopping with us and, um, yeah, spreading the word. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great. And I love hearing about what you guys are doing. Thank you. I'm excited to host you at the store soon, I hope. I hope too. I'm actually going to come in okay. June. So I'll be here. So I'll hit you up. All right. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I am not trained to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate or review the show. If you can, it helps so, so much. And feel free to find me on social channels, Post by Tori, and my website, www.hostbytori.com. See ya!